women are powerful and have accomplished great things. Yet, sometimes we suffer from self-doubt, fear, and limiting beliefs. We often believe that we are not good enough. These negative beliefs stop us from achieving our goals. Welcome to Sprinting to Success, a podcast dedicated to women who have experienced struggles, yet found ways to step into their power, their greatness, and learn to embrace challenges. These women will share their stories and give you insights to help you on your path so you can follow your dreams. And now, here's your host, Esme Lawrence. My name is Esme Lawrence, and welcome to Sprinting to Success podcast. This episode is sponsored by Esme's co-author course. Esme will help you become a co-author. You write your story, or Esme will interview you and turn your interview into your story. Use your story, only 4,000 words, to inspire others, speak on stages, do workshops, or become an authority. Contact Esme at EsmeLawrence.com. And now, my guest is a social business development consultant and certified health coach. She empowers individuals, communities, and organizations to recover from trauma and build resiliency. She is a Ford Fellow, Smithsonian Fellow, and has received the Governor of Hawaii's Award for Distinguished Outreach. My guest today is Lana Yamasaki. So Lani, welcome to Sprinting to Success podcast. I am so happy that you're on the show. Oh, Esme, mahalo. I am just so honored. I'm so excited to be here with you. Mahalo for having me. Oh, thank you so much. And and of course, you're coming from the beautiful Hawaii. (laughs) Yes, it's beautiful. (laughs) Oh, oh, I can tell from the flowers that's sitting right beside you. That's a tropical plant, which is so nice to see. Yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, look what you're wearing, that beautiful pink. Yes. It's, it's, it, the two resonate, they vibrate together. They do. I wanted to wear something tropical, something with the colors, something, you know, that has nice bright colors. Okay, so uh, I, one of the first questions I want to ask you is this, mm. what it is that you're successful at doing now um, that you are proud of? What is it that you can tell us about that? I create social legacy programs for individuals and for organizations and companies. Everything, everyone um, who comes to me understands that they have a purpose to enhance community wellness as well as take care of our aina. And aina is a Hawaiian word for earth, nature. Mm-hmm. Nice. Oh, so that's really good that, you know, it's... um. It's really nice that you can um, kind of be more holistic yes. and, uh, and, you know, not just talk about, you know, um, um, just talk about just, you know, one dimensional, but just go, you know, kind of everywhere and go to the earth and, you know, the creator and, and all, the, all that stuff. But we'll get back to that. So now I want you to go back to the challenges you had as a child. Okay, where do I begin? <laughs> I mean, can I say that I feel that like many people like ourselves who are out there, you know, wanting to to support community especially in wellness we came from and i'll speak for myself i came from a childhood that did have a lot of challenges um i am raised as a traditional hawaiian person i'm i'm multicultural so i'm hawaiian chinese japanese and have english blood and 
Yeah, and, and we were raised in a very traditional, well, I was raised here in Hawaii. And so I'm going to be 60, right? So I was raised in that generation where we're the bridge between the wisdom of our grandparents and yet we're still very contemporary society. And a lot of our traditions are traditional Hawaiian um, healing traditions, right? For instance, we're really subjugated, we're submerged. And so I learned how to reclaim the traditions of my ancestors, of the Hawaiian ancestors, as well as Japanese and Chinese growing up. And you know, when you go to school, I went to a the only school for Hawaiian children in the world. It's a wonderful school. And even then, it was very much mainstream Western education. Hawaiian culture was brought in, but it wasn't, the, the wisdom of our ancestors were not really upheld and esteemed the way it is today. Right, so the schooling was um, Americanized. Huh. Would you say that word? Yes, it was. it was really... Beautiful foundation in Hawaiian traditions, but more at that time, think about it, this was in the 60s. Right. So it was still more mainstream right. Western. Right. Mm -hmm. So then you have the Japanese ancestry, you have the Chinese, Hawaiian. So at home, what was it like as a child? Well, at home, you know what? I was an army brat. So I was I was raised here in Hawaii mainly, but when I was five years old, five to seven we traveled to to germany and lived in bremerhaven my dad was the master sergeant and when you talk about what life was like well again here i am i'm 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 learning my own culture away from school and now here i am or here we are living in germany with families from all around the world and really to this day people who are have been in the military are like dearest friends because we understand what it's like to be the last one in class, to come from a different culture, and to learn how to communicate, and to learn that what is not being said is often the loudest thing in the room. Wow. So learning wow. how to be, you know, work with our gut, our na'au, and, and really communicate from a sense, a kinesthetic sense. Right. So when you say what, what's not being said is the loudest statement in the room, explain, expand on that. Yeah, well, you know, when you walk into a situation, there's a lot of protocol, um, for instance, in, in Japanese society and Hawaiian, right? Um, there's circumstances that you might allude to, but it's not considered polite to actually say things out loud. So you have to be perceptive to what is not being shared, but to be very observant about what is there and find a way to still communicate authentically and yet, you know, in a respectful way. Does that make sense? Yes, interesting. Um, mm -hmm. So then now, how long did you stay in Germany for? Well, it was for two years, you know. Years, okay. um, it was formative, though, because when you think about when you're that young, the veils are very thin, you absorb everything, right? And we traveled to 13 different countries within that time. Wow. <laughs> yeah, 13 different countries. And, um, and you know, being an Olympian, you, you have to, you were with people from all around the world, right? You had to feel people in order to That's communicate right. with them. Exactly. I mean, I, I mean, I traveled, I traveled extensively and I traveled um, to a lot of different countries and it was, it's nice. And that's why, you know, like, I mean, you pick up so, so much of the subtle things 
you know, when you go to different countries. And uh, well, it's funny because one of the things uh, when I went, I think it was the Yugoslavia I went to, and we were in the elevator with a lot of diff you know, different people, and, a reg and reggae music came on. I was like, what? Reggae music in Yugoslavia in the elevator? Like, really? Honestly? And it, was, it, it brought a smile to my face because it made me realize that the world is international. That's right. <laughs> when they're bringing music in the in the elevator, people are like, you know, like you know, tapping their head to it. Right? The Bob Marley song is like, oh yes, <laughs> yes, yes. yes. So, you know, and and you served as a global ambassador. As athletes, um, we are all ambassadors, right? Because we represent our country, our family, um, you know. And so it's it's you know you have to also make sure that you're on your best behavior, you know, when you represent your country. So yes. hope, so then now go back. Um, so you, you went back from Germany, you traveled all over the world and yes. you went back to Hawaii as a, as a teenager. Yes. Okay. So, so no, I was actually quite young. I was quite young when I went back. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what were you like? What was your um, life like as a teenager? My life as a teenager really was spent with plants. I love plants and our family we come from a tradition of la'au lapa'au, which means traditional healing with plants. So at that time, I already knew I was okay. I was never like my friends were boy crazy. I'm just going to say <laughs> it. A lot of them were boy crazy, and I was considered a nerd. And so you could find me in the library, or I was in the forest. I was playing with plants. I was communicating with plants. I was learning from my elders how to create, you know, um, herbal concoctions for healing. And wow. that's what my, that's what my teenagehood was like. Wow. So you were working on, on you know, healing and, and knowing the different plants um, in your culture. And I mean, and so this is your, you're a teenager. So how does yes. that happen? <laughs> <laughs> it happens because I was an introvert and I still am as me. I am an introvert. And so I was more happy and comfortable, you know, um, playing in the forest, listening to the plants, listening to their teachings. Um, it, it was home to me. It was home to me. And I, you know what? Um, I learned at that time that it was okay to be different. My right. Thank gosh for my elders, right? Thank gosh for my elders because I, you know, I mean, I did not fit into the mainstream. I listened to music that I was, it was called, that's turkey music, people would tell me, whatever <laughs> that expression came from, that's turkey music. And I really had to go deep inside my relationship, you know, my, my traditional Hawaiian values, which leads with relationship with divinity or relationship to creator and my relationship to my elders who are my teachers and guides, I had to really rest in that and know that I was at the right place, right, the right time. And in spite of the outward pressure, the peer pressure to kind of fit in, I could let it go. Right. So you said you didn't fit in. In what way didn't you fit in? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I had a lot of friends, but can I just say that my friends, none of us, we were, none of us were in the cliques. We were all, believe it or not, we were also kids that were army, other army brats or military brats, kids that were well-traveled so that, you know, when we came back to school, we had, we already had experienced different cultures. So right. we related to the road in a different way. We already understood that, you know, 
listen, kid, this is it, right? Listen, kid, you're not the only one here on this planet, you know, and, and you're, you're, you're just this small little being in relationship to the rest of the world. So, so pay attention, understand that there are other cultures that you need to be cognizant of, understand that you are part of a global community, understand your part in it, and how are you here to serve? Right. So how did the different cultures um, exist in your high school? Oh my gosh. So if I go back to my high school, so I went again, I went to, well, I went to Kamehameha, the only school for children of Native Hawaiian ancestry, but we're all of mixed heritage there. At that time, there's less, I think there's less than 5,000 pure-blooded Hawaiians in the world. So we had all this diversity, right? And so the, our diversity really reflected in the foods that we ate, for instance, uh, in our music. So even though we had Hawaiian music, we brought in the Portuguese music. We brought in uh -huh. other Filipino music. In our PE classes, we learned all these different traditions of, of dancing, of folk dancing. And so it was beautiful. I mean, Hawaiian was always that foundation, but we were reminded that we are also, our heritage was, was multicultural or mixed. Right. And so any, any um, challenges within the school system at that time? Well, I would, oh yeah, yes. And I'm just going to say it. Um, I'm just going to say it. Say it. <laughs> All right. I'm going to say it. Oh. Say it. <laughs> okay. So, so I found that sometimes there was some overt it's hard to say it, but I'm going to say it, prejudice, meaning that many of us wanted to go to top-notch colleges. Like I had my eyes on Radcliffe. At that time, it was just Radcliffe. And then it turned to Radcliffe Harbor or Harvard Radcliffe. I can't remember now. And then, and then I was looking at women's colleges, top women's colleges. And I was told by my counselor, oh, no, you're never going to get in. Wow. And I'm like, why? I mean, I'm, I'm almost an A-plus student, you know, A, A-plus. Right. Why not? And I was so you're not good enough. He said that you're not good enough. He said I wasn't good enough. He said I wasn't wow. good enough. I didn't have the type of extracurricular activities that colleges of this caliber would want. And I said, and I went back to my elders, my kupuna, and I said, this is what I was told. And wow. she looked me in the eye and she said, and what do you think? And I said, I believe, I believe that I meant to go to these colleges. And she said, well, then you don't listen to the external. You need to go inside, align with creator, with your na'al, with your gut and your knowingness, and you do what you think is appropriate. So I applied at 16. When you were a junior in high school, we got counseling about what college you're going to go to. At 16, I applied to my colleges and I got in. It was called Early Decision. I ended up going to a, a brilliant women's college. It's Scripps College in Claremont, California. Um, and no, this is not, I hope this is, this is not bragging. It's just sharing at the caliber of the school, right? right? And when I got in, I literally, I just fell on the ground. When I got that letter, just crying. And I was, I, that was one of my earliest lessons that I, thankfully my kupuna, my elder taught me, which is, there's the external, right? But you need to go inwards and, and really listen to that inner voice and go for what you believe. And so 
I got in college when I was 16, but I didn't actually, I graduated with my class and then I went to school. But at least by the time I hit senior year, I knew exactly where I was going to go. Right. You know, I am so glad that you didn't listen to the external because the external don't know you. They just, um, they still just um, look at you from your external thing and judge you according to what they think how you fit. But then when you went and you, you talk to people who care and love you, yes. you say, don't listen to them. What, what does it say inside? Yes. And that's what you do because I mean, if you listen to external, um, sometimes they rob you of your future. That's right. Okay? Because you believe them, you know, and exactly. you have, you know, no reason to believe them, but you, you believe them and they will take away your future. And so listeners out there, if somebody tells you that you can't do something, just, you know, go in, inside, talk, share it with people that you love and say, why, why am I not good enough? That's right. That's right. That's right. And I'm not saying, I want to be clear, I'm not saying that this wasn't a, a, a good counselor, you know what I'm saying, but I, I just, the Hawaiian people, my childhood, like many of us my age now, there was, like Hawaiians are, are not smart enough, you know, you're never going to make it to the top, right. the happy-go-lucky Hawaiians, instead of, you know, being playful, which is le'a le'a, it's a Hawaiian value. Because we realize that when we play, that's when we can receive, this is when we conceive a lot of the knowledge and a lot of the life skills, but we're always so serious. We don't allow for that influence of play, which play teaches you, right? It's a, it's a form of experimentation and finding your place in the world. Right. And for the people who don't understand the culture, wouldn't understand that. That's right. Right. And you know, so you think, oh, you're just lucky go, you know, you know, you're the stereotypical um, you know, um, think about Hawaiians and not understanding that, yeah, playful, it draws things into you. It's, it's you know, um, um, from your culture. Exactly. Right. So, right. So let's move on now. Now as an adult. Yes. Okay, what are struggles that you've had in your life? Oh, well, I've been a solopreneur for more than 30 something years. Now explain right? a soul, explain a solopreneur <laughs> for people who don't know what that is. <laughs> I have been self-employed for a very long time. I'm an entrepreneur, but I did it by myself. You know, I was solo. I was on my own. And that was my life journey to actually, that was my spiritual path of evolution as well. My main, one of my main spiritual paths to, to, to consciously evolve. And my, well, my challenges was I was usually at that time, because I started in my mid twenties, um, I was usually the youngest one in the room. And so therefore, when you're the youngest one, many times you're invalidated. Right. Um, because again, I look the way I do. I had more stereotypes placed on me. Like, how would you know that? I mean, aren't you Hawaiian or aren't you Japanese? It's like, uh, or Chinese or Chinese. Right? I'm what a are person. You? <laughs> yes. It was like, it was between like being a woman, being young and having these different ethnicities that, you know, I, I it, it, that was such a, a humbling time of staying in my center and saying, yes. And, um, and so, yeah, my challenge was really, again, always, always finding my center, but I had to learn humility, right? Because when you're that young to, Sometimes you think you know more than you do. Right. Uh, yes. <laughs> right? yeah. yeah. And so my, my challenge has always been, um, yeah, what I share, but also knowing more than I should. Does that make sense? Right. I mean, 
So what brought you to being more humble? What experience brought that on? Because, because as I know, as you know, when you're in your early twenties, you think, you know, everything, <laughs> you're I, invincible, I know. right. And you're just, you're the smartest one, you know, graditis. <laughs> After you, you, you finish on university, you know, everything. So what oh. brought you to um, realizing that, you know what, I mean, you can learn from others too. Oh, my elders, because so here I would be brought into these very, very prominent corporations to be the consultant again, the youngest one in the room, yet you had elders there that you're working with and very venerated and respected elders. They put me in my place very beautifully, like Hawaiian elders do. You know, they just say in a gentle voice, like one um, very venerated kupuna or elder very sweetly said to me, took me aside, not in front of everybody. She said in, in Hawaiian, she said, you may want to go inside and see how you're actually showing yourself because sometimes you come across as being a little haughty. I, as soon as she said that, I burst into tears because that wasn't in at all. I knew that was not in my, in my intention field. But then I realized that I may have come across that way because I was afraid. I mean, haughty being conceited. Haughty, no, more like arrogant. Arrogant, not, okay. Not okay. conceited, but like know it all. Like I know, I know it all. And when I think about, well, I didn't have a mirror when I was in that boardroom, so I'm going to have to take the feedback. I accept it from my elders, right? Right. And I had to. I mean, I cried and cried and cried, and I realized, well, if I come across that way, maybe it's because you know, as the youngest one in the room, I'm dealing with so many people. Like, why is she here? We are older than her. And I was dealing with a lot of, I may have felt defensive. And so I may have come across that way. Again, I can only take the feedback. And so I took that very seriously. Right. And so what did you do so with that feedback? How did you approach the next meeting? I asked for feedback. Ah. I did. I looked around the room, that boardroom, and I said, you know, I did. I said I had a talk with Auntie Pat. And Auntie Pat shared that I may be coming across as knowing more than I really do. And I, I invite you, if I come across in a way that seems less than humble, I really invite you to, re, to show me, to let me know, because I'm here to be a service. And what I've learned is that when you come from that place of true humility, it opens people. In this case, it opened up people, they, their own guards let down and and then they they embraced me and they said oh don't worry about it we know you're doing the best you can and and we became a team we became a family then you know and that was one of my biggest lessons early on oh that's nice that you learned it early oh um, so so tell me what does the ocean what does that mean to you oh the ocean for for me the ocean is represented by kanaloa and kanaloa is our hawaiian god right and the ocean for us is the dreaming or the dream time. It is pure potential. So when the sun sets into the ocean, it signals that you're now in the land of Po, P-O. This is the land where it's dark, it's wet, it's moist, it's full of potential. And this is the time of the ancestors where you can receive guidance from the ancestors. In Hawaiian culture, what is the ocean? What does it mean to um, the people? Um, what does what does um, ocean mean to the Hawaiian people in general? 
So in general, in general, this is what it means. What's also, okay, we have a saying. The saying is without a healthy reef, we will not have a healthy community. So the ocean is a source of life for us. Right. Because that's what source you, of life. Because so, um, I know there's a lot of fresh um, fish <laughs> in Hawaii. And, uh, you know, so um, do people still live off the, 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 the sea? Well, we're trying to. And I say that because we have been impacted by global warming. And so our, our coral has, the coral bleaching has been unprecedented. So our lava reefs have been dying off. Our fish population has diminished. So it's our generation, you know, who's working with the younger generation to bring back our traditional ways of resource management so that we can ensure that our families have the ability to be self-sufficient through the land. Right. And so how does one, um, you know, do that? Like if somebody goes, I mean, I'm not a big person or what, you know, and um, so what can I do as a Hawaiian? What could you say to them to, um, to, make, to make sure that they, you know, just um, live off the land, well, off the ocean and they don't take more than they, um, they should? How, does, how do they do that? That's exactly what we're taught as me, only take what you need. And so that means understanding what lokahi is, for instance. And lokahi is our Hawaiian value, which means harmony and unity. But it also means in practice, it's a wellness practice and it is balance. It is the interdependence between the creator, between nature and humanity. It's our ancestral wellness blueprint, which shows how to live in balance in all worlds so that there is, you can create true self-sufficiency through the land, that there's true harmony in the land. And it really begins with understanding these ancient Hawaiian values and practices, which, and, and I have, we come from a spiritual community. Hawaiian culture is spiritually based. Right. So when you understand that we are, we are spiritually based, that our values and practices are based upon an interdependence with creator, with nature, then being a steward, this is what we're here to be and to do. Right. I, I love that. Just being in harmony, in balance um, with, with everything, mm-hmm. with the land, with the, with the, with the, um, the water, with, you know, with God, you know. So yeah. what do you teach? Um, so what are the things that you teach your students? How to live lokahi, basically how to live in balance and harmony with creator, with your ancestors, with nature. And this is really important because, you know, when you, when you live in harmony in this way, this is how you come into understanding your purpose in life, as well as understanding your kuleana. And kuleana is different from purpose in that kuleana is actually your lineal responsibility, which is your privilege and honor to carry through. It goes side by side with purpose. Right. And so when people come to me and they want to create a legacy program, for instance, a social legacy program, I always ask them, the social legacy program that you want to create is it in, li- in alignment with your kuleana and with your purpose? Because if it is, then we can talk. Otherwise, I would question why you even want to create this kind of legacy program if you do not have a direct relationship. In, you know, in, in being a kahu, a kahu means like a guardian right. of this legacy. 
Right. And so do you teach them, um, if they come to you and they don't know they need to be guardians, do you teach that or do you say, do you turn them away? Just say, I don't teach that kind of stuff. What do you do? That's a great question. Actually, no, I absolutely embrace that. As long as I know that they are very sincere in wanting to understand their kuleana and their purpose. Right. It starts with that. Right. That's my belief. Mm -hmm. So Lani, what's your purpose? My purpose, oh, this is great. Um, my purpose, my purpose is to be a catalyst for people to understand and find their kuleana and to actualize it. That is my purpose. Right. Oh, I, I love that. And so I want you to take all the knowledge you have now and then bring it back to when you were a little girl. What mm -hmm. words of wisdom would you tell yourself so she can, so she, so you can empower her? Oh my gosh. The greatest lesson you might ever learn, there's twofold. Number one, that you need to learn how to love yourself right. before you can even think about being of service to others. And that you are the greatest mystery in the universe, meaning you need to find out what your role is in this universe and how you can be of service. Wow. Those are great words of wisdom for your younger self. <laughs> All right. So what would you like to share with our audience today? I, I, I feel you are such a great, you, you just have such a great way of, of conversing as me. I feel that oh, thank shared, you. You, you are, you're just such so graceful and so natural and Okay, I, I would want to, I've been sharing what I want to share, but I would really want to <laughs> emphasize the, the importance of understanding that find your kuleana, find out who your ancestors were and what they did, because when you do, you will have a better understanding of who you are, right. what you're here to do, what your kuleana is and how you're meant to serve. And then from there, really understand that to live lokahi to to find your relationship with divinity to find your relationship with creator with god your ancestors that is your a true support system that will sustain you through through you know through 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 thick and thin and will help you to navigate your life and and when you have those relationships there's no need to go outward I mean, have your wise elders with you, right. have, have your peers with you, but understand when you have that kind of relationship, when you live Lokahi, that interdependence with creator, with ancestors, with, you know, have that relationship with them and yourself, that, that dialogue and your elders, no need to look outside for external validation. Go inwards. Go inwards. I love that. Lani, great words of wisdom. Um, to, to share with our audience. So thank you for listening to Sprinting to Success podcast. And to learn more about Lanny, go to EsmeLawrence.com. Thank you so much, Lanny. Thank you. And Esme, I am so grateful. And I feel that I am sprinting to success with you, Esme Lawrence. We are sprinting together. <laughs> we are. Thank we so are. Much. Thank you. And have an amazing day. You as well. Mahalo for having me. I'm so honored as me.
Thank you for listening to Sprinting to Success with your host, Esme Lawrence. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this show on iTunes. For more information about Esme and to hear other episodes of the show, go to EsmeLawrence.com. The information in this podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional or medical treatment or advice. Always seek advice from your healthcare provider.